Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. Happy 2021, I reckon. Uh, (laughs) This has been an interesting week. And I know some of you are like, why didn't you do a show right after that? The only reason why I didn't do a show the very next day after the storming of the Capitol was because I was expecting more. Wasn't quite sure how that was going to go, but you know, again, I, I'm just glad to be here today, and this is going to be an interesting year, but particularly, this is going to be an interesting show today. So again, this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and again, Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. Again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself Today's show is entitled, When Someone Shows You Who They Are, Believe Them. And that was coined by Maya Angelou, and it's the truth. So (laughs) I'm going to give you all a little limerick that I found online um, written by Ty Griffin. And it goes such as, a mob of MAGA persuasion conducted a statehouse invasion. Though heavily armed, they parted unharmed. And that's how you know they're Caucasian. So, shout out to Ty Griffin for that word of the day. And and yes, there were people of color there. I saw a few of them, and, you know, it's always going to be a few of us there. And, you know, that's just something, that's just life. And that's how that happens. That's how that transpires. But, again... Welcome to Black Free Thinkers, and yes, we are Black Free Thinkers, but we are not the Kanye and Candace Owens kind. We are not those type of Black Free Thinkers, and nor do I endorse anything from Kanye or Candace Owens. So I want to make sure that that is known, that is, you know, out front, and you understand what you're listening to and who you're listening to. 2021 marks 10 years that I've been doing the show. And even though the last few years have been hmm, rocky, to say the least, you know, due to taking care of an ill family member and then burying that family member and my health challenges and surgeries, it's just, it's been a lot. And so, again, thank you for sticking with me. I appreciate it. I appreciate each and every last one of you. I'm looking at the numbers for the last show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I was just, it's funny because I had someone inbox me and they were like, well, what happened to you? You were talking about a medication. Yeah, the doctor put me on a steroid and I didn't do well with that. And it's just really interesting. But he and I will be having a chat about that this week because I'm going to see him and tell him that he has to find a better way because I stopped taking that medicine and you know, there's nothing they can say or do to change my mind otherwise, because that was just ridiculous. So anyway, another thing that I'll say is that, you know, I really miss my mother. And while watching the storming of the Capitol with the letter O, I was sitting back and I was just thinking about my mom, because, you know, when things like that would happen, the first person I would call was my mother. And my mom was a very, very intelligent woman. That's how I learned how to research. That's how I learned how to think critically about certain things. Um, All of that, it came from her. And, you know, I, it's just before she passed away, 
you know, we had numerous conversations, but one of the conversations we had, my mom basically was saying that Donald Trump had basically sold the United States to Russia. And I concurred with that to a degree, but she also told me that this would happen. And we also saw that this was happening. We have been preparing you from the very beginning to, you know, about something, you know, something like this taking place. And I know some of you are like him. How did you know that was going to happen? I mean, you have to read and understand history. And everything was being laid in place. And we talked about these things and, and over the show and, you know, hey, this is what we'll do. We'll we'll talk a little bit about it today, but we knew this was going to happen. I don't know how some of you all are surprised. You know, I, I did a show talking about why are you surprised. None of this is surprising to black, brown, indigenous, and Asian people, you know, so, you know, black, brown, red, yellow people. We knew this was coming because it happens over and over. History repeats itself. It's usually just with different people and it may be different locations. So anyway, let me read what I wrote for, for the show today. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. There is nothing cryptic about that statement coined by Maya Angelou. It's the truth. We have been warning you about the dangers and pathology of whiteness, yet you continue to tell us that it's really not that bad and they would, they would never stoop to that level. What say you now? There is so much to unpack. The storming of the Capitol in D.C. and state capitals should not have been, should not have surprised any of you. They openly plan these events. They openly plan because they know that they will be shielded and the laws only apply to the others. And who I mean by the others are marginalized groups. We need to be very careful about what we advocate for because the new domestic terrorism laws will be wielded much heavier on marginalized groups. This is another way for them to infringe upon our right to assemble and voice our dissent. Pay attention. I distinctly warned you about what was going to happen. They didn't just start planning these events. America's politics have been stuck in the slavery civil rights mindset. The Southern strategy is still in effect. None of this has changed. A lot of the pushback and disdain from white domestic terrorists have been playing out since the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and even before that as well as after that. However, when they started planning the Southern strategy, you know, again, these were long-term plans because you have to, anyway, we'll get into that. Ted Cruz himself stated that he was ready to make a deal along the lines of the Compromise of 1877. Listen to what these people are saying out loud and in public. I need you to pay more attention to what is going on around you. These white domestic terrorists are hiding behind their Bibles, guns, manifest destiny, God-given rights, and the delusion that everything belongs to them and living a good life at the expense of others is the American way. So anyway, if you want to call in, the number is 310-982-4273. Again, 310-982-4273. You can press 1 um, to speak with the host if that's what you want to do there. So where to begin? Um, I want to recap. Oh, on the 15th, January 15th, I will have Dr. Jeffrey Perry on the show, and we will be talking about Hubert Henry Harrison and his legacy and his contributions to the Harlem Renaissance, as well as, you know, the black 
secular movement and how he's instrumental. He's also known as the Black Socrates. So, you know, look all of that up. And 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 it should be very should be a very good show. Dr. Perry just put out a new book and it's about a thousand pages. It's a reading, you guys, but it's well worth it, especially if you're black and secular. You know, um it gives you a good solid foundation to build from. Like I said, this guy has been my hero for over 20 years. And for those that have been listening to the show for the past 10 years, I've been talking about him since day one. So I'm glad to see that Hubert Henry Harrison is now getting the recognition that he deserves. And also the Schomburg Library in New York, that was founded by Arturo Schomburg and Hubert Henry Harrison. You know, and it was a public library, you know, and so just just go and read. Do some research on your own. You know, you guys, you know, I, I like to steer you in the right direction, and I encourage you guys to go and do the research on your own. Don't be like some of these other people here saying that I have to educate you and provide you with links and videos. No, no, I don't. I used to be that person where I would take time out to do that. But again, I've learned that it's a waste of time for many people, and especially, you know, certain groups of people, and I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) So anyway, let's move on and get to the show today. So, you know, I have some statements to make, and basically, you know, I won't say I've been playing it safe on this show. What I will say is, you know, I respect my audience. I respect the decisions that you all make for yourselves and your lives, and that has not changed, and that will continue to be the case. However, I'm going to make some statements today that, you know, that I've been avoiding for a long time. But, you know, I'm just going to say this here. Black and brown people, indigenous, you know, and, and Asian, yellow people, red people, It's time for you all to come out of these churches, especially, especially after what happened this week. And what I mean by this is that if your pastor is preaching unity because of what happened, bringing everybody together and let's move forward, they're teaching you forgiveness or preaching forgiveness. Like, oh, you have to forgive them. And, you know, that's been a problem the whole time. You know, we're too easy, you know, and we go out here and we'll say publicly that we forgive them. And then you have, you know, people like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, you know, basically shuffling y'all in front of the microphone and the cameras and and, and telling you to tell the white people that you forgive them. Because that's their job as overseers. So anyway, if your pastor is preaching unity, forgiveness, again, reconciliation, and lamentations, you need to leave. And it doesn't matter if that pastor is black or white. You know you have your black Trump pastors out here. And again, on the last show, I talked about the martyrdom of Trump and how he's a little demigod. And basically, they've deified him to a certain extent. You need to leave. And you need to come up out of those churches that are basically genuflecting and kissing Trump's ass. It's not going to end well. 
And again, you know, there are pictures out there of nuns wearing Trump scarves out there, you know, out there in the back watching what's happening at the Capitol. They were at the talk, you know, the little rally and all of that. And what happened at the at the Capitol, you know, they erected a cross. And when I posted the picture of that, you know, it was a, it was a screenshot or a meme of something that was pro-Trump, pro-Christ, but in the caption, I put there, this cross ain't about no damn Jesus, and it wasn't. They were hanging nooses. It was one big noose out there. They put together their own gallows. And if your pastor is telling you to put this in the sea of forgetfulness and you move on, they are gaslighting you. If they're sitting there telling you, that we need to reconcile and come together and, and, and all of these and, and to throw yourself prostate, prostate, good Lord, prostrate in front of the altar and pray about these things and allow, you know, God to lead you or to answer your questions. No, 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 no. And if your pastor is telling you not to worry about these things because it's politics and we, you know, basically his members, he and his members shouldn't worry about that. The fact that your pastor has a 501c3 is political in and of itself. If your pastor watches the news and preaches what's going on, that is political in and of itself. If your pastor is telling you what you should and should not do for your life, that is political as well, you know. And so, you know, there are people that I know, uh, one particular young woman who whose father would not allow her to go to college regardless of how many scholarships she had because he felt that it was her role to be someone's wife and a homemaker and a mother. And as soon as she reached a certain age, she left. You know, I think it was after she turned 21, And then she went to school. And, you know, I've seen and heard a lot of people allowing their pastors or ministers or evangelists or even people in the church, mothers, deacons, whoever, telling them that, no, your your mission and your goal in life is to please the Lord and to please the church and, and, and forget all of these dreams and goals you have. And, I mean, a lot of those people grew up, you know, got older and resented, you know, some of the decisions that they made and and regrets. And I'm telling you, there are political um, reasons why these churches and some of these pastors are saying this. And, you know, again, (laughs) fuck all of this unity talk. There's no way I can have unity with, you know, these white domestic terrorists. And there's a reason why they don't want you talking about the pathology of whiteness and why you don't have whiteness studies in universities across the country. There may be one or two, and even those are limited, and you have folks like Trump and in his sycophants, basically trying to outlaw that, 
you know, taking away federal funding or threatening to take away federal funding from, you know, programs and schools that are, you know, teaching anti-racist materials. And, and, and it's just, I'm like, this is just unbelievable, you know? And the thing is, is fuck, fuck all this talk, talking about healing the country without accountability, right? We're just going to pray about it. We're going to leave it to the Lord. Again, you are being gaslighted not only by your pastor, you're being gaslighted by these politicians, you're being gaslighted by these sycophants that praise and worship Donald Trump. And it's just really interesting because, you know, I had people telling me I was reaching in 2015, 2016, but I kept telling you that Donald Trump was building a prosperity gospel movement, you know, his White Lives Matter movement. That is what was happening. And I saw it for what it was. And there were people that didn't want to believe it. They're like, no, that's not happening. Look at what's happening now. And that's why I posted a question on my Facebook, where are you white people? And some of you black folks, but mainly white people, who told us, assured us, that Donald Trump wouldn't dare do these things. It's not going to be that bad. Oh, just relax. Try to work with him. No, y'all. That's not how this works. Maya Angelou said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. And it's so funny because I've been calling Trump out from day one. I got kicked out of a humanist group because I basically was coming at them directly about Trump. And in some of these, you know, um, white male libertarian gods that they serve, you know, um, it's just the whole thing. The whole thing just reeks, right? So, again, they want to have you believing that they want to heal the country and just move on and forget about him. It's only two weeks left, but we can't do that. That was insurrection. And if you want to find out you know, more about insurrections in this country, just do some research. I remember having Christopher Everett on the show, and we talked about the coup d'etat that took place in Wilmington, North Carolina. That was an insurrection. You know, the the river ran red with the blood of black people that they were slaughtering. And to this day, they are still finding deeds to property made out to black folks that white people just went in and stole and took over when they killed and ran the black people out of Wilmington, North Carolina. And if you go all the way back to, you know, um, 1871, 1877, there's information out there, you know, the Compromise of 1877. You know, I'm not Donald Trump, but Ted Cruz referred to that this week and even before, you know, but I want to explain the significance of it in connection to what happened this week, right? And we'll get to that. But Again, these are the same people that are saying, let's move past this, and history will judge Donald Trump and his ilk. But these are also the same people that are out here telling you not to judge the history of the past because the past is the past. That's why Robert E. Lee and all of them folks, all these Confederates have all these statues all over the country. 
and 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 they're telling you, well, that was the past. We need to move on. Don't judge them. We weren't there. How are we supposed to, you know, move forward? But, baby, that happens every Sunday when you when you again attempt to hold your pastor or the ministry team or someone in the church accountable. It's gaslighting. Oh, that happened in the past. It was two weeks ago. Well, that was the past. You need to let it go and move on. You know, and it's just, I, who, you know, part of me wants to do a whole series of shows talking about that and giving you examples of it. And, but, you know, again, these people are saying let history judge them. But, yeah, you know, these are the same folks who will tell you that that was the past and let the past be the past. And don't rehash history. And it's bullshit. You know, and, you know, it all boils down to this. The behavior of Trump and his merry band of deluded white folks is sociopathic. And I've been saying that since he came when he jumped on the scene in 2015 and announced that he was going to run for president of the United States. And I told people, Donald Trump told us who he is. He showed us who he is. I believed him. It was the white people that didn't believe him. Oh, he's just saying that. He's never going to do these things. And you had black people like me saying, no, he's going to do this and more. Oh, no, you're just being histrionic. You know, you're just, you know, uh, <laughs> you're hyperbole. You need to tone it down, Kim. You need to reel it in. Look and what the hell has happened? Now, I'm not over here reveling in the fact that I was right, but I do take some satisfaction in that. But as a black person, I have to worry about all of these things. We already had enough on our plate. But this is going to be harder for people of color. Had that been a group of black and brown people storming the Capitol, you know, I would like to say that we would have been shot and killed, but someone pointed out to me, they said, well, Kim, we don't know what would have happened if we tried that. And that's true. But I think I'd like to err on a side of caution and say they would have killed it at our asses. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm closer to right than anything else. And so the thing is, is that, you know, there was a meme on my wall, hold on a second, and it was talking specifically about um, black anger or black grief and white anger, right? I'm looking for it now so I can read it off and give credit to the person who coined this. But let's see here, Reverend Jackie Lewis, PhD, and on... January the 6th of this year, 7.02 p.m., she said that she is so damn tired of living in a country that treats black grief as a threat and white rage as a sacrament. And again, I'll read it again. So damn tired of living in a country that treats black grief as a threat and white rage as a sacrament. Reverend Jackie Lewis, and I took the screenshot from Twitter and I posted it on my wall, but that is the truth. 
That is the truth. That's how we're treated in this country. We are a threat. We are the enemy. And one thing I will say about, you know, Frank Wilderson, you know, despite the fact that there are people that have, you know, um, particular issues with him, and I understand those issues, and a few of them I actually agree with. But at the end of the day, when he talks about Negro, um, Negrophobia genesis, right, Negrophobia genesis, Negro, black, phobia, fear, genesis, the beginning. All you have to do is walk into the room, walk down the street and be black, and you are a threat, and they are in fear of you. So, you know, you may want to go and look that up, you know, Negrophobia, ah, Jesus Christ, excuse me, Negrophobia genesis, Negrophobia genesis, just look it up. And do some reading on that and get yourself familiar with a little bit of the writings of Frank Wilderson. And you'll begin to get a better understanding of what that means. And, you know, again, it's hard to live a life and and to see even the humanness inside of you. And when I say humanness, I mean H-U-M-A-N-N-E-S-S, humanness, not humanist. Not the IST, but see how you see the fact that you're human, and from the onset they they don't see you as human. They treat you worse than they treat their enemies, and then tell you, gaslight you into believing that you must forgive them, and that you must see the God in them, and that you must you know move past that. No, you're being gaslighted, and again, not only by some of these religious leaders but also by these politicians themselves, as well as the white and some black and brown, you know, indigenous and and yellow people that follow these folks. You're being gaslighted. And I just need for you to understand what's happening. You know, because again, with black grief or even black anger is frowned upon. And 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 when we express any type of anger or grief or grievances or anything of that nature, usually what happens is is frowned upon and is served back to us on a platter of performance improvement plans, corrective actions, death, intimidation, and, and so much more. They want you to be, you know, shuffling it, you know, shucking and jiving and, and, and moonwalking and entertaining them and, and, and forgiving them and giving them counsel. You know, they want us to be their magical Negroes and also, you know, the, 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 their saviors to a certain degree. And, you know, it's really interesting. I'm not going to get into Steve King's books, theory, or Stephen King's books. But there is a common theme of the magical Negro in his books, as well as many of the television shows or streaming series and movies that come out. You know, I was watching Queen's Gambit, and her little black friend was there to save the day. Yay! So it's just it's just really interesting. And again, these are the same people. These some of these white folks are the ones that can make or destroy black, brown, red, yellow people in their lives. And the only reason why I'm able to make some of the statements that I make is because I'm not dependent upon their system anymore. And I don't care. You know, and the thing is, is that it's just really interesting because 
just looking at the double standards, right, and looking how the press is part of the problem for what we're seeing. Now, it was the press that got Donald Trump elected. But not only was the press, not only was the press responsible for Donald Trump winning the presidency, it was also upper middle class, wealthy white people, business owners, politicians, you know, doctors, lawyers, professionals. And what they do is they play Jedi mind tricks with you guys and try to make you believe that it's working class whites and poor whites that put Donald Trump in his office, in this office of president. And no, if you go and you look at the postmortem for the 2016 election, it is very clear that it was well-to-do white people that galvanized, you know, the most votes for Donald Trump and put him in that position. And they're trying to do that again with this storming of the Capitol. Most of those people were wealthy, (laughs) wealthy. They were business owners, politicians, you know, professional of all sorts, religious of all different sorts. And I don't want you guys to get it twisted. Now, you know, Bubba and a couple of his friends, you know, Junebug and all of them, you know, a few of them showed up and participated in that super spreader, you know, activity. And what's interesting is I heard on the news today that, you know, our congressional members, the House and the Senate, are now a little worried that they may have been exposed to the coronavirus. And now they're trying to figure out, you know, what to do with that. And I have a whole bunch of thoughts on that. And, I, I, and, and again, all of this has been deliberately timed and put forth. And the thing is, is that, again, even before Donald Trump was elected to president, but especially during the time as president, they were mainstreaming white pathology like nobody's business, doing focus pieces on the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo and QAnon and the other domestic terrorists that stormed the Capitol, not only in D.C., but your state capitals as well. That was not an isolated event. And again, you know, I'm encouraging you guys to go out there and 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 look and and find the information about what was happening, you know, in the different states. There was a black woman in Los Angeles walking down the street and you know, basically she was attacked, you know, by a white mob of people. And it was a white man that grabbed her from the back, a bear hug, and he whispered in her ear, "Do not move." They're trying to kill you. They're trying to kill you. And he picked her up and got her out the way. And you can find all that information on the route. I posted it on my wall. You know, I've posted some really good stuff on my wall. And, um, and, and I was tweeting at a bunch of politicians asking them, are you going to seat these Republicans that are part of this, you know, this insurrection, part of this coup? 
And, you know, I didn't get any responses. And, you know, I tweeted at Corey Bush because she had, you know, one of those petitions out there. And, you know, I tweeted at her, are you all going to seek them? And I included a link to an article that I felt that she should have read. And so now she's saying that she wants to have these people expelled from Congress. And it's the right thing to do. Because while this was happening, some of you probably missed the story about what was happening in the state of Pennsylvania. And there was a politician, a black man, who ran for re-election, and he won, you know, the seat again. You know, he was re-elected. And in Pennsylvania, the Republicans are refusing to seat him, stating that it was a contested election, and it was so close, and, and, and that they didn't want to seat him. And, you know, I, I need you all keep up with what's happening. What's happening in this country right now is very important for us to understand what's going on. And the thing is, is that black and brown, you know, indigenous, you know, red and yellow people, we keep up with these things. We keep up with these things better than white people. Why? Because we're the ones that are going to suffer and pay for this. They've already made it clear that the first people they were going after were black people and indigenous people, you know, red people. So, again, you know, some of you all are rolling your eyes. You're tired of hearing these things, all of that. But there are, there are reasons why we won't let this go, and we keep throwing it in your face. We have been telling you over and over again. But, see, it's interesting because now you're mad, and we'll get into that in a minute. But, again, you've been mainstreaming this white pathology, and I'm trying to strike white privilege and white supremacy out of my language, and it's going to be hard to do. But, you know, um, Diallo Kenyatta is right. This is about whiteness. This is about white pathology. They pathologize black people and brown people and, and you know, red and yellow people all the time, but get angry when, when you apply these same pathologies to them in their community. They come at you with not all white people or, you know, and, and it's just, look, again, just in case you all forget this, my stance is all white people are racist. And they must do the work to deprogram themselves and to unlearn a lot of this fuckery. But it's not just them. You know, we have been inundated with a lot of these, you know, white supremacist thoughts or, or again, you know, um, the forgiving of white pathologies and the forgiving of whiteness or, you know, thinking that, you know, oh, we're equal, so that applies to me too until you have your inward moment. And then you recognize, no, that does not apply to you as well. So anyway, one thing that I wanted to bring to your attention regarding when I say they're mainstreaming this white pathology, right? So the Washington Post did a piece on Ashley Babbitt, and that was the white chick that just got shot straight dead at the Capitol. Now, I don't know if you all saw the video or not, but I saw the video about that. And what happened was it was Mike Pence, Secret Security, I'm sorry, it was Mike Pence, Secret Service Security, that killed her. And they had propped, you know, furniture against the doors and all of that. And the angry white domestic terrorism throng of people were at that area, smashing out the windows, you know, trying to get in there. And 
she decided she was going to, you know, walk through it. And as soon as she stood in that doorway, you know, because they had to climb up a little bit and she was going to try to get through. And, of course, they're going to put a woman up there because they don't think that, you know, that the security detail was going to shoot that woman. The minute they put her foot on that panel and stood her up and she was getting ready to try to make her way in, Mike Pence's secret security detail shot her straight the fuck down. And to be honest with you, I think she was dead before she hit the floor. You know, all of this is out here. Not making it up. Go find it for yourself because we're all grown people here. And some of you young folks, you know how to use the Internet better than any of us. So (laughs) I know you've seen it or you know how to find it. But what happened was the Washington Post did a piece on her. And basically, you know, talked about how she was, you know, a veteran and, you know, all of her, you know, white innocence and her white virginal, virginity. Oh, Lord, I can't even get it right because it's bullshit. You know, her white virtue, her white virginity and all of that shit, her white gentility all of those things that are automatically bestowed upon white women and trying to paint her as, you know, in their words, a patriot and not as a domestic terrorist or, you know, taking part uh, in in an insurrection or insurrectionist, however you want to categorize that. And they did, you know, a think piece on her, which was, you know, complimentary to her. And, again, we have to challenge, you know, these particular narratives, you know, because, again, white women are considered innocent. They're, <laughs> you know, and and they're considered, you know, to be soft and docile and all of these things. When 53% of white women voted for Donald Trump in 2016, and 55% of white women voted for Donald Trump in 2020. That's the truth. It increased. You know, and again, had it been, you know, a person of color, let alone a woman of color, who participated in this type of bullshit, you know, these types of, you know, violent actions, you know, seditious acts, no, we wouldn't have, they wouldn't have had nice things to say about us, you know, but they didn't talk about the fact that she had restraining orders against her and her police record. Now, there were some articles talking about her past, her violent past and checkered past, as they like to say. And one of the first things that I saw were white men trying to, you know, defend her. Why are you you know, saying these things about her. She lost her life and, you know, you know, we need to see the good in her. And then someone went and found that same white man's argument about George Floyd, you know, basically castigating George Floyd and, 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 and bringing up his past arrest record or what have you. And again, that's for black and brown folks, not the white people. They're supposed to bring up our records, our, you know, faults you know, our fallibilities, right? And, but not them. So anyway, you know, I just kind of wanted to hit on that. And, you know, regardless of what these people tell you, you know, again, it was upper middle 
and wealthy white people, white men, that voted Trump into office and stormed that Capitol. And I need for you to understand that, including intelligent agents. And this is the thing. As soon as it was happening, and I was on the phone with Raina specifically, and I kept telling her, this is an inside job. And, you know, and I told her what was happening because the Capitol was being attacked by, you know, on the east side as well as the west side. And I said, yeah, you know, I said someone had to tell them which doors to go to and and start on one side of the building so that the security, the Capitol Police, will be focused on one side of the building, and then the other group of people can go through the other side of the building with very little resistance because everybody has rushed to, I think they went to the west side of the building, and the east side of the building was a little bit more open. I may be wrong with the east-west thing, but, you know, work with me here. And so, you know, and... Again, that Capitol building, they say it's like a labyrinth, and someone had to tell them how to navigate through that building, especially when it came to Clyburn's office, the office that has his nameplate on it. They didn't touch it. They went to his secret hideaway office on the third floor, and most people that are in Congress don't know how to get to that office space, but somehow these domestic terrorists figured it out on their own. And the fact that they held the military, the National Guard, they held them in their barracks for a couple of hours before they allowed them to to be released and to descend upon Washington, D.C. So, you know, again, you know, it was a conglomeration of some of these politicians, some of the, you know, police officers and military people. See, this is the thing. I also want you all to understand that quite a few of the people that were part of this insurrection, they were active as well as retired or prior military people as well as police officers. You had some of them flashing their badges at the Capitol Police. So, you know, so you have police officers, military people, you know, intelligent agents, and even some, you know, again, this is a theory that some of the Capitol Police were in on this because of the fact that they sympathize because these people are allegedly pro-police, you know, and it's really interesting because, again, they're out here saying blue lives matter. But yet you all beat to death one of the police officers with a fire extinguisher. How does that work? And again, I'm not saying that working class white people and poor white people weren't there, but they are not the main culprits, I don't believe. And this was a coordinated event with those in power who worked in the Capitol and White House, and they knew exactly what they were doing. So... Anyway, so let's try to get down a little bit more to, you know, what happened there. So, again, I want you guys to go and just do a Google search on Trump Christian nationalism capital with the letter O, right? And you'll see a number of articles out there talking about how Christian nationalism was clearly evident in the Capitol riot And, you know, it invaded the Capitol, basically stating Jesus is my savior, Trump is my president. 
you know, that's over on sojo.net. And, you know, and again, you know, the symbology and all of that. And there was even an article, I mean, not an article, but a piece on NPR. And it talked about how faith leaders, you know, were condemning the assault on the Capitol. However, many of them faith leaders have been eerily silent. And then, you know, you have articles out here saying evangelicals must denounce the Christian nationalism that, you know, basically took place, um, you know, in the Capitol riots. So, yeah, I want you guys to go out there and, and, and basically look that up for yourselves. And other people, I would like to encourage you guys to go to my Facebook wall. So it's facebook.com slash blackfreethinkers.com, and blackfreethinkers is spelled all the way out. So, again, facebook.com slash blackfreethinkers.com. My page is open. You know, I woke up early this morning, and I posted a couple of articles, um, one from Democracy Now!, you know, historian, white terrorist groups attack democracy during Reconstruction. They are doing it now. And that's the reason why you all keep hearing me referring to Reconstruction, because this plays hand in hand with this, and especially when you have Ted Cruz talking about the Compromise of 1877. That is when Black people voted for Republicans, but the Republicans needed the, you know, the assistance and the aids of the Democrats, you know, to to get certain pieces of legislation passed. In addition to that, it was a hotly contested presidential, um, you know, election, and they ended up putting Rutherford B. Hayes, the Republican, in office. However, in exchange for the Democrats or the Dixiecrats, to make that compromise, what happened was they had to take the troops out of the South. And Reconstruction, you know, that was helping black people in the South and throughout this country, that came to a stop. And that is when Jim Crow came about. So I need you to look that up. I'm going to hit on a little bit of that later, but again, the 1876 election was hotly contested, and they had to make some compromises. And we'll talk a little bit about Ted Cruz and, and his bullshit role in, in a lot of these things and why he's, comprom- why he's proposing, you know, a compromise equivalent to the compromise of um, 1877. So anyway, um, there's this article here on theintercept.com, again, theintercept.com. The title of the article is Trump Administration is Making It Harder to Find Out Whether It's Fighting fighting White Supremacist Terror. And again, Trump Administration is Making It Harder to Find Out Whether It's Fighting White Supremacist Taylor. And this was written by Natasha Leonard, and it was published on June 8, 2019. Now, What I meant earlier when I said that this has been coordinated from the very beginning, from the very beginning when Donald Trump appointed Jeff Sessions to head the the Department of Justice or the Justice Department, hey, Charles, oh, good Lord, Jeff Sessions started eliminating official categories, started eliminating funding for investigating white supremacist crimes and white supremacist groups. This was coordinated from the very beginning. 
Do not let anyone tell you otherwise. And, you know, for Representative Ilhan Omar, they they looked for her and they went to her office as well. And basically, I believe they were going to, you know, inflict bodily harm on her. As a matter of fact, they even had a firing squad, allegedly, amongst their ranks. And you saw the zip tie guy. And also, there was a politician, newly elected politician from West Virginia. I don't remember his name, and he doesn't deserve to be a part of my memory like that. But he has been forced to give up his book deal. Well, basically, you know, the company dropped him. So now he lost his book deal. And he was forced to resign his seat in the West Virginia state legislature. How about that? You know, and there are many, many other stories, you know, because these people are now being pointed out and they're paying for, you know, their participation in these activities. But going back to this article here, Jeff Sessions and Donald Trump were trying to blur the lines, you know, as much as possible from the very beginning. And monies in, you know, that were being specifically um, monies that they had specifically put to the side or had um, specified for domestic terrorism with these white supremacist groups, you know, basically a lot of that was dismantled. And that was done on purpose. And we've talked about that when it was happening. And I need you guys to go out there and, you know, do some more research on this. And, uh, huh. You know, you see what they're doing with the changes that the Department of Justice made under Holder as, you know, in regards to holding police departments accountable. A lot of that was struck down and, you know, and you guys, again, Donald Trump, Jeff Sessions, all of them told us exactly who and what they were. And those of them that are now trying to condemn him in his last week and a half of office or resigning the last two weeks of of his, you know, his tenure as president, you know, those are not brave people. They're still cowards. They went along with this, you know, from the very beginning. Where the hell is Uncle Ben? I need to go and see what Ben Carson is talking about. You know, what does Clarence Thomas have to say about this? As a matter of fact, Vernon Jordan and the rest of that crew, you know, and these are black Republicans that I'm pointing out right now. You know, Walter Williams, Thomas Sowell. What the hell do you all have to say about this? And they probably said something. I just haven't gone out to look for it yet. And I will. You know, there are certain things I will look for. But again, you know, um, I'll read this part of the article. It says, over the last decade, the FBI classified domestic terrorism cases using 11 categories, including a specific grouping for white supremacists. At the end of April, the FBI and Justice Department revealed to Senate Judiciary Committee staffers that a new classification was now in place, employing only four categories, racially motivated violent extremism, anti-government and anti-authority extremism, animal rights and environmental extremism, and abortion extremism. That was done on purpose to blur the line. 
And again, <laughs> to be able to categorize or or speak about some of these things in a very arbitrary manner. Because again, a lot of these laws are arbitrary in nature and subjectively applied. And that's why I said that, you know, marginalized communities, those of us that are out here fighting for social justice and human rights and all of these wonderful things, these new laws that are going to be placed on the book, these new restrictions are going to be welded much heavier against us. And while I do think it's funny that Donald Trump was kicked off of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, you know, I also want to make sure that you all understand that, you know, they can do that to us as well. It was social media that allowed Occupy Wall Street to make the impact that it made. It was social media that allowed the Ferguson activists and organizers to get that information out and to, you know, basically live stream it to the world. It's social media that allows a lot of these activists and organizers to make plans and to, to plan, you know, the rallies and the marches and all of that. I don't want that to be lost on you. You know, so, again, we have to be careful because these people, again, are out here gaslighting us, setting up these false equivalencies, all of that. And so in this article, it says the racially motivated character, I'm sorry, category is the most problematic one under an administration that has made a point of drawing false equivalences between deadly white supremacist violence and anti-racist dissent. The FBI's category collapse is as unsurprising as it is disconcerting, right? And so it gives some facts about, you know, some of the studies done by the Anti-Defamation League. Um, between 2009 and 2018, it would be to your best advantage to go and read about this. As a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and read this part. According to the Anti-Defamation League, between 2009 and 2018, white supremacists and far-right extremists were responsible for 73% of extremist murders in the U.S., yet the distinct and deadly threat of white supremacist violence is now unnamed and merely folded into the too broad racially motivated extremism category. That category falls in black identity extremism, an FBI category conjured in 2017 to make the unsubstantiated claim that black organizers fighting against racist policy against racist police executions were a national security threat. That is why they had you know the the military out during the summer when they had the you know the social justice marches and rallies across this country, you know, and and you know, you had Barney Fife on duty when these, you know, insurrectionists, white domestic terrorists showed up to storm the Capitol. You know, and so again, right here it says the new nomenclature reflects the Trump administration's ideological commitment to enabling white supremacists, but the new classifications are more than semantic. They render it impossible for the public or even elected officials to know whether the FBI is dedicating resources to investigating the very real threat of white supremacist terror or if those resources are going toward the harassment of Black Lives Matter and civil rights activists. 
Only the former use of government time and money would be justified, but both cases would fall under racially motivated extremism. So anyway, another article that I want you guys to go and look up is it's coming from the Chicago Tribune, right? And for those out there that don't have access to these newspapers, I am so sorry. But some of these articles are public, right? And sometimes it's hard for me to tell because I have subscriptions to these papers. So with this particular article, the title of it is, U.S. government has long ignored white supremacist threats, critics say. And again, U.S. government has long ignored white supremacist threats, critics say. And this was written by Kimberly Kindy, I guess. So Kimberly Kindy, K-I-N-D-Y. So you may want to look that up and read that article because she put some research into this. And, you know, it talks about, you know, how on June 3rd, 2014, Eric Holder restarted a long-dormant domestic terrorism task force created after the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. A former Ku Klux Klan leader had just murdered three people near a Jewish community center in a Kansas City suburb and yelled, Hi, Heil Hitler, as police took them into custody. And just go and read these articles. Let me see here. When was this one published? Come on. Well, it's taking its time right here, but it was, I believe it was published in 2017. But go ahead and read it. Go find it. You know, it will definitely educate you and edify you and and help you to better understand what's, you know, what's going on in this country because, You know, you have too many people, especially white people, feigning ignorance, feigning innocence. Yeah, this was published September 2nd, 2017. And again, you know, black people, brown people, red, yellow folks, a lot of these white people that are feigning innocence, feigning surprise, they know exactly what the hell is coming on and happening out here. Don't let them fool you. You know, so another article that I want you guys to go and to read This one is on Mother Jones, right? So um, with this here, the title of the article is A Former FBI Whistleblower Explains Why the Federal Government is Failing on Domestic Terrorism and How to Fix It. Again, A Former FBI Whistleblower Explains Why the Federal Government is Failing on Domestic Terrorism and How to Fix It. This was published August 7, 2019. And it was written by Brian Schatz, S-C-H-A-T-Z, right? And it's talking about how, you know, the Department of Justice is very deliberate in what they're doing. So basically, it's a matter of Justice Department policy that deprioritizes this white supremacist violence. You know, and again, this is their way of trying to not shine a spotlight on white white pathology because what's happening now has happened several other times in this country. And a lot of people do not know about this history. 
And when we bring it up and we talk about this thing, you know, they poo-poo on what we're saying. Again, you know, we're being hyperbolic or histrionic or that's not what happened. You know, they like to, you know, say those things when they don't understand the history themselves. And the information I give you all on this show, you know, these are weapons of power. And I need you to understand that. So I want you to read that article. Um, there's another article that's over on NBC that talks about Ted Cruz and what Ted Cruz has been, you know, out here advocating for, especially in regards to this last contested, you know, election between Biden and Trump. And by no means am I, you know, on team Biden. You know, I was not happy about him either. And I have my reasons. You know, but what I found most interesting was the fact that Joe Biden actually called these insurrectionists white domestic terrorists. And he called them thugs and all manner of things that are usually relegated for black, brown, red, yellow people, but especially black and brown. And I believe one of the reasons for that is because he does have a number of black people, especially black women, on his team. But I need you to understand that it's hard for white people to to call these other white people thugs or terrorists. Instead, what they try to do is, you know, um, basically foment some type of solidarity or unity with them. Well, I understand. Yeah, you understand because you're a white supremacist too. Then they get upset when you say that. So anyway, this article is on NBCNews.com. Highlights and analysis, Trump commits to orderly transition after mob storms capital. And what I need for you all to understand about that is the only reason why Donald Trump made that video in which he committed to an orderly transition was because White House counsel, the lawyers in the White House, told him, made him do that because they told him that he may be liable for some, you know, some criminal charges or what have you because of what happened. And Donald Trump has stated afterwards that he wished he had not yielded and said that he would commit to an orderly transition. This ain't over, y'all. I need for you to understand that. This is not over. So anyway, over here on NBC.com, let me read the article title again because I don't know if I got that out. Highlights and analysis, Trump commits to orderly transition after mob storms capital, right? And who wrote this? I want to make sure I give credit to the person who wrote this. I don't know where the hell is their name. Well, anyway, oh, okay, it was written by John M-I-N-C-H-I-L-L-O, Minchillo. And this was written on January 7, 2021. And basically, you know, it's talking about, you know, Donald Trump and his stance on, you know, what happened. And it's just giving you some general information about Ted Cruz and how Cruz was proposing a Civil War era solution and then how Amy Klobuchar basically burned him for it. And so the reason why I'm telling you all that this is important for you to understand is because with the Compromise of 1877, that was right after the Civil War, and, you know, they had Reconstruction happening, and, of course, 
the Democrats, Dixiecrats in the South, were unhappy with the fact that they had black people being elected to Congress as well as the state legislators, you know, laters or state capitals or state Congress or what have you, right? And, you know, you know, them racist white folks in the South couldn't have any of that. So the compromise was they would allow Rutherford B. Hayes to become the president as long as they took the troops out of the South and then the South would be able to start Jim Crow. That is how all of this comes together here. And Ted Cruz, you know, gave an address, you know, intended for the purpose of objecting to Arizona's electoral revolts, proposed an emergency audit that said he would be modeled, basically that said he, oh my goodness. Let me start that again, y'all. Please forgive me. Senator Ted Cruz, in a rambling address intended for the purpose of objecting to Arizona's electoral votes, proposed an emergency audit that he said would be modeled after the one created after a contentious election in the years after the Civil War, right? And again, that is how the Republicans screwed black people by allowing the Democrats, the Dixiecrats of those days to, again, impose Jim Crow laws, written and unwritten, in the South and in the North. Don't be fooled by that, because the black people were catching it in the North as well. There's a reason why they call Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the Selma of the North. And basically... With Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Donald Trump, you know, close to 200 representatives and senators backing Trump and, and you know, basically, again, committing sedition. And that's kind of hard to get out, right? For the simple fact that who would have thought that this will be happening here and now? And I'm not surprised because, again, you know, Trump and his people wanted things to go back to the 1800s. We've been saying that from the very beginning, and so have they. And the truth of the matter is, again, you know, with the 13th and 14th Amendment, they basically re-enslaved black people. And they want to put black people back in bondage now. So, I mean, I'm not going to bridle my tongue, you know, on any of this shit. You need to know what's happening and understand what's going on and how the Democrats can refuse to seat these Republicans that took place, that, you know, that um, took part of these seditious acts. They can be punished. Don't allow them to gaslight you into believing that nothing can be done. Yes, it can. So, again, you know, this was written by, you know, child, just go out and read it. Because there are a couple of articles that are like back to back on this page. And I want you to take your time and go through it and read it. Um, Another article is on Mother Jones, right? 
And this was published January 2nd of this year, before, you know, the storming of the Capitol. The title of this article, Ted Cruz is a big fan of the Compromise of 1877. Again, Ted Cruz is a big fan of the Compromise of 1877. And the writer is Kevin Drum. And again, this was published January 2nd of this year. And basically, you know, again, you know, it's talking about the contested presidential election or race between Rutherford B. Hayes and Tilden, right? And, you know, again, in order for you all to understand what's happening now, it's important that you understand history behind this. Because, again, knowing these facts empowers you. And that is the purpose of this show. And I've been telling you that since, you know, 2011. It's been 10 years. You know, and I actually spent some time reading all of this stuff. And I get excited about telling you about it. But, you know, again, as I've stated before, you know, trust but verify. I want you to go out and look this stuff up. And sometimes I send you down a rabbit hole. And I do that on purpose. I do that with myself because then I become aware of things that I wasn't, you know, aware of. You know, you should be learning something every day. Every day. So, again, let me read this part of the article. It says the most direct precedent on this question arose in 1877. And I know some of you are like, question? What question? You know, <laughs> And, and again, you know, it says the most direct precedent on this question arose in 1877 following serious allegations of fraud and illegal conduct in the Hayes-Tilden presidential race, specifically the elections in three states, Florida, Louisiana, and South Carolina, were alleged to have been conducted illegally. In 1877, Congress did not ignore those allegations, nor did the media simply dismiss those raising them as radicals trying to undermine democracy. Instead, Congress appointed an electoral commission consisting of five senators, five House members, and five Supreme Court justices to consider and resolve the disputed returns. And it says here we should follow that precedent, right? And so... You know, part of the article here says, for those of you who slept through history class, here is the briefest possible explanation of the Hayes-Tilden race. And here we go. Democrat Samuel Tilden won the popular vote but received only 184 electoral votes, one less than a majority. Two, results from three southern states plus one elector from Oregon were in dispute. Three, Republican Rutherford B. Hayes agreed to end Reconstruction, withdraw federal troops from the South, and hand back control of the Southern states to their white leaders if Democrats agreed to declare him the winner. Number four, Democrats agreed to this and voted to award all the disputed electoral votes to Hayes. He won 185 to 184, right? And you know, again, it states here, this is one of the most disgraceful and explicitly racist episodes in American history, and Cruz knows it. 
I suppose he figures that none of his followers know or care about this, but it's contemptible that he'd look to the Hilden or Hayes Tilden race for any kind of guidance on anything. Right. I pretty much read y'all the article there. But you know, I want you to go and, you know, pick out some of the finer points here, you know, definitely about the compromise and why the Republicans agreed to withdraw the federal troops from the South and how it gave rise to Jim Crow and Jim Crow laws and how it basically, again, re-enslaved black people in southern states. And these were the Democrats of the time. And so then, again, with FDR, that's when things kind of switched, right? And FDR with the New Deal. And that is when you started having more black people vote Democratic as opposed to Republican. And what's interesting, not interesting, but, you know, this is just the truth. This is a fact. The Democrats in this election against Trump, this 2020 election, they were so busy trying to win back the racist white people that were voting for Trump. And that's problematic. Now they they believe they got some of those people back. Now look what's happening here. You know, so anyway, another article that I want you all to go out and read, and I'm going over my one-hour limit. You know, you know, I've been trying my best to kind of pare it down, you know, this show. And um, anyway, the name of this article is The 1876 Election Was the Most Divisive in U.S. History, Here's how Congress responded. Again, the 1876 election was the most divisive U.S. history. Here's how Congress responded. This was written by Aaron Blakemore. Again, Aaron, E-R-I-N, Blakemore. And uh, I hate when it does this. Um, and it was written, hold on. You know how you hate these? Let me see here. Okay, let's see if this makes this go away. Because I hate these pop-ups. And I have a pop-up blocker. So anyway, this was written by, again, Aaron Blakemore, and it was published January 5th of 2021. This is, you know, anyway. So, you know, I want you to read this article. And in this article... It, it it talks about a number of things, about how, you know, Congress did not ignore those allegations. And, again, they've been setting this up from the very, very beginning. I want you all to know that none of what you see playing out right now, none of this is spontaneous. This was well planned and well thought out. This is one of their contingency plans, had he not been reelected. You know, and again, you know, right here, I'm going to read this from the article. Newly enfranchised black voters overwhelmingly supported the Republican Party, the party of Abraham Lincoln, and a critical force behind the Union's Civil War victory. They registered to vote in large numbers and ran and were elected to public office. Now, I need you all to remember that. They ran for public office, and they were allowed to vote. 
And somehow that magically went away. Why is that? Why are they trying to take away your right to vote now? Look at what's happening with the, you know, with the Civil Rights Act, how they shot down Section 5, and now they're shooting down Section 2. I need for you all to see how we're regressing and how we are going back to the early mid-1800s and why this is dangerous for black, brown, red, and yellow people. And I'm going to talk about you white folks in a minute, but I want to get these articles out. So let me read another part of this article. It says, but as black citizens gained political and social power in the late 1860s, white Southerners who largely supported the anti-Reconstruction Democratic Party resented the federal government's policies. Reconstruction represented what they saw as the theft of their rightful dominance of the racial, political, and economic hierarchy. In an attempt to wrest back their power, they used intimidation and violence to disenfranchise black voters. Happening now. You saw this happening in the 50s and 60s. History repeats itself. So again, let me read this other part. Then in the early 1870s, the Republicans' party popularity took a hit due to an economic depression and political scandals like the Whiskey Ring, a bribery scheme in which federal officials helped whiskey distillers evade taxes. Between the Republicans' tarnished reputation and the intimidating tactics that allowed white Southerners to suppress Republican votes, Democrats finally saw a path to electoral victory. And, you know, this is a really good article. So, again, I'm encouraging you guys to read the articles that um, that I listed. And there are a bunch of good articles on my Facebook wall. You know, again, I posted several more today. And, of course, there we go. You know, you have a lot going on over here. So another article that I posted on my wall, White Liberals Still Don't Understand White Supremacy. And you can find that on my Facebook page. You can also find it on the Black Freethinkers page as well as the People of Color Beyond Faith page. And for those of you feeling a little advantageous, you know, or adventurous, my wrong word, it should be adventurous, you can go and, and click like on my grumpy spoken word page, you know, where I am the chief or the head angry sock puppet. Hey, Greta. So anyway, another article on my on my wall I, that I posted was, these black Capitol police officers described fighting off racist ass terrorists. And that is the title of the article. These black Capitol police officers described fighting off racist ass terrorists. And that was on buzzfeednews.com. And I know some people are going to be like, oh, that's BuzzFeed. How can you believe what they have to say? Look, it's the truth. Um, Another article, I may have mentioned this one, but I'll do it again. White liberals still don't understand white supremacy. And this is on harpersbazaar.com. Let me scroll down. Um, You know, I have a bunch of memes here. But I'm going to read this one by Tressie McMillan. Caught him, right? Again, Tressie McMillan. She said, the psychologicalization of white supremacy resonates deeply within the narcissism of white masculinity on which that white supremacy is built. That your personal understanding is necessary to its function or eradication, 
that's why pop psychology books about racism are so popular. And she said, your understanding is immaterial. It may be edifying, may be part of your self-actualization, but it isn't a social fact, and social facts are where the violence happens. Again, this is between you and white Jesus, which is just you because that's how that works. And it was in reply to some white person saying, I still want to understand them, meaning that they want to understand the white domestic terrorists, the insurrectionists, all of them folks. And this is the thing. You can want to understand them. You can read until your eyeballs fall out of your socket. You can try to find something in common with these people. All you want, you can try to unify with them, you know, reconcile with them, pray for them, whatever the hell you call yourself doing. But it does not change the fact that these are facts. And just because you don't understand these facts or you can't identify with these facts, that doesn't make them non-facts. And this is one of the reasons why we're saying fuck your feelings, right? And so, you know, let me scroll down some more stuff because I got to get it out, you know, I got to get it out of my system, y'all, you know, and I'm skipping a lot of things, but this one was funny to me. It says, a White House official tells me that people in the West Wing today are quote-unquote depressed and that those without jobs already lined up are concerned that they're unemployable. And someone responded, give them $600. That should be more than enough. That's what they said to the rest of us, right? And, you know, again, another one here. It says, one thing political scientists have found is that failed coups are often followed by successful coups, sometimes by the same person, sometimes by someone else. We're five years into this, two weeks before the end of his term, and politicians of both parties are still underestimating Trump and hoping someone else would do the dirty work of dispatching him. And that is the truth is so many of you that are out here wringing your hands and hemming and hawing and, you know, with your milk toast, you know, ideas and words. And, you know, you are the people that get black and brown people killed. And I need you to understand that. You are the ones that undermine us and that tell us, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. He doesn't really mean that, and I have been saying from the the very beginning that Donald Trump meant every word coming out of his mouth. Donald Trump is one of those white racists that I have actually a little bit of respect for because ain't no fucking guesswork. He said what the fuck he meant, but also he is opening the door and laying the groundwork for someone far more intelligent and insidious to take the presidency and do what he's done and achieve even more. Why? Because they know how to keep their mouth shut. They know how to play the American public, how to play people, which is why Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, and any of these Republicans that are backing this insurrection, this is what makes them dangerous. And that includes Tom Cotton as well. And it also includes Mitt Romney. And I know some of you are like, oh, Mitt Romney has been on your No, the fuck he hasn't. 
only reason why Mitt Romney is is speaking out against some of these things is because he is part of a marginalized community, also known as Mormons. Okay, now, you know, it's a bunch more. Hold on a second before I get to going off about this. I guess I'll go on ahead and take up these last 30 minutes or so. But, um, you know, again, it would be to our own detriment and death to move past this without truth and accountability. And that came from Cheryl and I feel. And I agree with that 100%. You know, again, Inauguration Day 2021, what now? Capital riots, Trump supporter threats, prompt safety concerns. You know, on the 17th, they have, you know, a rally planned for the 17th of January. The Million Man Militia March. Three days before the inauguration. And they have other rallies planned around inauguration day. And black and brown people, I'm telling you this, be vigilant about where you are, who you're around, and what people are doing around you. I need you to understand that. This is not a game. There are lives on the line, right? And so, all right, here we go. I'm getting ready to go the fuck off, right? Because, you know, it's it's a bunch that I need to say. And, you know, again, you have these white people out here saying, oh, well, you know, at the beginning, it's not going to be that bad. We assure you it's not going to be as bad as he says and that these things will never take place, that they were never happening. Baby, all I hear are crickets and all I see are tumbleweeds, crickets and tumbleweeds from these same white people. And the only reason why you hear them saying anything, because that very thin veneer of protection has been lost to a certain degree. They knew that their whiteness would protect them. They were protected either way. However, again, underestimating Trump and underestimating the pathology of whiteness in which they will attack other white people if they fit, if they decide that those white people are standing in the way of them getting what they want. And again, This is their manifest destiny, their God-given rights. You need to understand that. And so now you have these white politicians and these other white people that are crying foul and anger and and out here, like, you know, with their, you know, anti-racist rhetoric. And again, these are just talking points for these people. Okay, you see how they've commodified Black Lives Matter, how it's been co-opted and appropriated and watered down. They took the power. And there are some other things, but I'm not talking about that today. What they're upset about is now you have white people attacking other white people, politicians, business owners, professional folks, all of them, wealthy, you know, upper middle class, wealthy white people. They're being attacked by other Upper middle class, wealthy white folks, business owners, you know, professionals, military, police officers. That's what the fuck you're upset about. 
And the truth of the matter is, if Ted Cruz pushes that compromise bullshit, the majority of you will go with it and go for it, which is why I, I shit on a lot of these progressives, these liberals, these white moderates, I mean Malcolm X, as well as Mal- Martin Luther King, talked about these damn liberals and why they are problematic. You need to fucking take note because they've shown you who they are. They will come out here with all of that anti-racist rhetoric and say, yeah, you know, put on the kente cloth and kneel, all of that performative bullshit, right? And then turn around and vote to only send you $600, really? And turn around and, and, and allow them to destroy the Affordable Care Act. Because there are a lot of unnecessary deaths of black and brown, red, yellow people in this country. You know, let's start with the COVID. You know, it's disproportionately harming and killing black, brown, red, yellow folks. And the thing is, is that you don't just fucking get over the corona or the COVID-19. There are long-term effects of that shit. And many of those effects kind of, um, you know, all along the lines of rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. I have lupus. And there are some days when it's like, what the fuck is happening? You know, because, you know, I get a little foggy, right? And then, you know, later on, I'm sharp. And, you know, and then also with the pains and the aching and the respiratory issues, you know, um, These people, some of them were healthy, no more. And that's going to impact how they get insurance and and, and what will happen behind that. But again, you know, again, that thin veneer or layer of protection was pierced. I wouldn't say lost. I'm going to take that word back. It has been pierced. Because white folks, you know, they will jump through hoops and perform miracles to protect themselves. And so now you're sitting up here and when you really don't give a damn, but you're upset because now they're coming after you, after you assured us that we will be okay, hell, you ain't okay. How about that shit? You're not even okay. When they start coming for your politicians, they brought the fight to your house. What is that saying to you? I know what the fuck it says to me. They had to sneak and basically hide my grandfather and get him out of Mississippi because they were going to lynch him. They came to my grandmother's house looking for him. Black and brown people, you know, again, red and yellow people have experienced this firsthand. But now you're upset because they're bringing it to you, spray painting people's houses and garages and shit. You thought it would never touch you. Well, surprise, surprise. You know, and uh all I have to say is we told you so. And the only reason why you're understanding it or acting like you understand because now you're fucking scared. And I'm glad that no black, brown, red, yellow people went to the Capitol and laid their lives on the line for you motherfuckers. You have to fix this. 
You created it. You benefit from it. It is yours. And now they brought the, the fight to you in 2021. The age of the Internet. We don't have to watch it on television or pay a dollar a minute so we can talk to our cousins across on the other side of the country and tell them what to happen. This is live and in action. Gil Scott Heron says, (laughs) said the the revolution will not be televised. It's being live streamed, motherfucker. And I'm sitting back, you know, because you're acting like you're today's year old and you didn't realize that this could happen to you. Special fucking snowflake. Why did you not think that this could happen to you? How are you just that ignorant, arrogant, or feigning innocence? I don't understand it. You know how white folks treat other white folks, and you know what what they say when your diversity and EEO hires are not in the room. And that's coming from liberals and progressives as well. You know, they are just as culpable. And so now... You're acting shocked. Ooh, we never thought that that would happen. They told you. This has been happening since day one. There is a reason why they don't want to dedicate money dealing with white supremacists or white domestic terrorism or the pathology of whiteness in this country. And the lines were blurred even more under this administration. And when they labeled us black identity extremists, you told us, oh, it's not really going to be that bad. Many of you were like, I never heard of such a thing. And, and, and we're telling you what's happening and what they're doing, but you're not believing us. And even though this has happened to you, many of you still don't believe us. And this is why I tell you to go fuck yourselves. And why I don't enjoy coming to talking to a room filled with white people about racism and what's happening to black people in this country because you fucking know what's going on. You got eyes. You got ears. But you thought you were safe. So, yeah, fuck you. You know, and so, again, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you can't save your damn selves at this point. You want to make it a fair fight? Get rid of your Secret Service detail. Get rid of all the security. We don't have it. Why should you? Let's fight this fight fairly. You know, you have motherfuckers. Who was that um, Giuliani talking about trial by combat? While he and and Trump and and Junior and all of them, Kimberly Guilfoyle, you know, who, they got to run. They got to go back and watch this on their computers or TVs or wherever they were and laugh their asses off because they knew that they had stirred these people up to incite violence. They knew exactly what they were saying. They knew exactly what they were doing. White people, especially white Republicans, Donald Trump thinks you're stupid. And I agree. 
when someone shows you and tells you who the fuck they are, you need to start believing it. Black and brown, you know, red and yellow people, but especially black and brown people, we fucking believe it because we cannot afford to not fucking believe it. You know, what was interesting was when Trump and his sycophantic flunkies were attacking black and brown people on social media and in real life. Oh, well, you know, it's just freedom of speech, blah, 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 blah. It's okay. But now that he's coming after you, it's not okay anymore? Anyway, you know what? (laughs) You all don't know what to do with yourselves. And I'm talking about white folks. You know, um... I'm tired of the excuses. I'm tired of you feigning innocence and ignorance. You know exactly what the fuck is coming, you know, going on out here and what's in store, what's coming. Many of you just hope that we're too stupid or distracted to see what's happening. All of this stuff is planned out in the open. We've told you about a number of these things. You didn't believe us. And what's interesting is after we tell you and then the shit starts manifesting like this little insurrection, you're like, but we didn't know. We told you. You told us we were hyperbolic and histrionic. We told you. We believed them. I know you're used to politicians being liars and shit, but... No, not with that motherfucker right there. Donald Trump says exactly what the fuck is on his mind. And this ain't over. And these people will continue with or without Trump. You think that getting getting rid of Trump and deplatforming him and all of these things, you think that's going to shut him up? Look, he's the president of the United States. All he has to do is put on a pair of pants, send out a phone call that he wants to talk to the media, and all them motherfuckers will show up for his two-hour rant at 3 o'clock in the morning because he can't tweet. Bread and circuses. Smoke and mirrors. And, you know, I know a lot of people are going to get upset with this, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. Donald Trump was the president that this country fucking deserved. Because you thought that it could never happen here. And it has. And this is some of the bullshit that you've done in other countries. And the American public is standing up. Oh, democracy. We're standing up for democracy. They're going to be a democracy. Yay. Well, the truth of the matter is we don't even live in a democracy. The Constitution specifically states that we live in a limited republic. Who the fuck are you saying to pledge allegiance to? I pledge allegiance to the Republic of the United States of America. Understand who you are, where you stand in this country, and what this country is all about. So I have so much more I can say, but we'll save it for another time. So anyway, 
Happy 2021. You know, like I said on the last show, um, Festivus, Martyrs, and Be Best. You know, my show, my first show last year was declaring it the year of Be Best. And it, ex- you know, it exceeded all of my expectations. You know, and, you know, six days into 2021, and we have Vikings sitting in Nancy Pelosi's place, Chuck Schumer's place in their chambers. And they stole laptops. They stole mail. They were reading the mail on the Internet, telling people what Nancy Pelosi's emails entailed and all of that shit. And if it was so easy for them to do it, imagine the courage, the encouragement that they're giving some of these other folks to doing this. And because this was not crushed, these same people are going to continue on. It ain't over. I'm just saying black, brown, red, yellow people, be vigilant. White folks, stop with the bullshit. You need to get out of here, and you need to collect up your cousins and get them together and in order. Or are you going to sell us out like the Republicans sold us out in 1877 with that compromise? Because now it looks like it's, it's turning into a situation where they're just, you know, basically doing a stick em up to the Democratic Party. And we need to be concerned with how the Democrats respond to this shit. They've already been selling us out, but how far are they fucking willing to go? I'm just asking questions, baby. Just merely making some, you know, observations and sharing it with you. So when them motherfuckers speak, I believe them and they're going to be shielded by well-meaning white people then you want to pay me to come talk to you about this shit and then get angry when it turns into a fucking angry ass rant have you not listened to this fucking show do you not know who you're dealing with no I don't want to talk to you about this bullshit Why? Because you're going to make excuses for it. And many of you voted for him any damn way. There is nothing for us to talk about. We have nothing in common. So as I stated at the beginning of the church, I mean, beginning of the show, those of you who are in the church and your pastors are talking about unity and reconciliation and moving forward and lamentations and all that shit in regards to what's happening to this country or telling you to ignore it that it's between them and God and history will be their judge, look, you are being gaslighted by people that you trust. So it's not only your religious leaders, but also these politicians and these white folks, your everyday Joe and Joette. You need to start believing these white folks that say that they hate black people, that they want black people to go back into bondage, and that black people were happier under Jim Crow and slavery. At least they had a place to stay and food to eat 
That's what, you know, they, they, they try to tell you that bullshit while working for free. And for those of you who think you're free now, you ain't. And white people get upset when I say shit like this, but it's true. So I believe them. And I think you need to start coming up out of these churches that are basically, um, again, gaslighting you and backing Trump and backing what the fuck is happening or telling you to turn a blind eye to it. Because, honey, you're going to be one of the first ones that they come after. Why? Because you're not prepared. You're not being diligent. You're not doing your due diligence and keeping an eye out for what the fuck is happening out here. So when someone like me comes along and I get to telling you about this shit, you're looking at me like I'm a three-headed alien. But I'm right. And a lot of this shit has played out exactly how I told you it fucking would. So anyway, again, this is Kim of Black Free Thinkers. And we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. And, yes, we are free thinkers. We're black free thinkers, but we are not the Kanye or Candace Owens kind. Don't get that shit twisted. Anyway, y'all, take it easy. It was good talking to you today. We'll see you on the 15th when I have Jeffrey Perry, and we'll talk about Hubert Henry Harrison. And then on Sunday... I don't know what I'm going to talk about yet. There's so much fuckery to choose from that I don't know where to start. So anyway, y'all take it easy. I missed you guys.